Big Sloth. Are you in the Mafia? Am I in the what? Whatever you want to call it. Organized crime. That's total crap. Who told you that? Dad, I've lived in the house all my life. I've seen police come with warrants. I've seen you going out at 3 in the morning. So you never seen Doc Cusimano go out at 3 in the morning on a call? Did the Cusimano kids ever find $50,000 in Krugerrands and a 45 automatic while they were hunting for Easter eggs? I'm in the waste management business. Everybody immediately assumes you're mobbed up. It's a stereotype, and it's offensive. And you're the last person I would want to perpetuate it. Fine. There's no mafia. <laughs> I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and with me, Big Vinegar, Lars Periwinkle. How are you? I'm good, Money. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, you know what? I, can we start with this? I want to start with this. So, mm-hmm. this week, a couple days ago, May the 4th. May the 4th sure. be with you, right? And also with you. Yeah. And also with you. Here's what I don't get. Revenge of the 5th. Right. Shouldn't it be Revenge of the 6th? Sixth would be better for two reasons. Yeah. It just it just kind of works better. Well, it sounds more like Sith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, hey, that's Cinco de Mayo. Well, right. What are you I doing? thought that too. I thought that too. Yeah. Totally unfair to Cinco de Mayo, but also It's yeah. called for. Yeah. But what if you guys could take like a little break from your Star Wars celebration? Yeah, because then also at the end of the month is May twenty fifth, which is um, another recognized Star Wars day. So, hey, take take it easy. I mean, I mean, really, really, every day is Star Wars day if you want it to be. Yeah, but sure. You got you got May the fourth and May twenty fifth. Leave leave Cinco de Mayo alone. Also, leave the sixth of May alone. Well, yeah. Real. <laughs> well, you don't need to do it, but I'm gonna say, yeah. If you're gonna do it, if you're gonna do a revenge of the something, one, yeah, six sounds better. And also, yeah, you're not stealing Cinco de Mayo. You're just sandwiching Cinco de Mayo at that point. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, totally. Yeah, you're trying to you're trying to fold it up in that corn tortilla along with Cinco de Mayo, and we're not having it. That that belongs to our uh, Mexican brothers and sisters. So. Um, no, and like, and don't do Revenge of the Six because what does that recognize exactly? It's it's a funny pun that you might do, and it's uh, it's not all that funny. So I do remember the year on Twitter when Mark Hamill did every single month, like day of the month, like he. Oh, really? Yeah, he had a month where he he would do it for the sixth. You know, seven. He did a pun for like every day of May. So Mark Hamill's delightful. Is really what I'm he has at. fun. Yeah. He does have fun. I, you know what else I was thinking about? Uh, I watched that movie, The Mitchells versus the Machines. Right. And, and it's great, first of all. Really enjoyed okay. it. Uh, no notes. Loved it. Like, cool. Really wonderful. Also, fantastic pug animation. I'm here to wholeheartedly recommend they, they used a real pug. They used Doug the Pug to voice the pug. Mm-hmm. In the Mitchells versus Machines. But I was thinking about this because I was thinking about Star Wars Day. Man. Man, they they really screwed up with Solo. <laughs> like, because it's um it's the same guys. It's the the guy. Why am I blanking on their names? But the um the guys who did Solo and they did okay. Into the Spider-Verse, and now they did they did the Lego movie and sure. and they did Mitchells versus the Machines. What okay. are their names? Why am I blanking on their names? Lord and Miller. How'd they screw up with Solo? I thought you I'm saying Solo. I like Solo. I'm saying Disney fired them. It's the only thing they've ever been oh. fired from. Gotcha. So before that, if I have my timeline right, they did the Lego movie, which everybody loved, right? 
Then they did right. Solo, which I like, but a lot of people don't. And a lot of people didn't watch, which they got fired from. What do they do after Solo? They do Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Right. And Mitchells versus the Machines. So, their track record, pretty impeccable. <laughs> Thus yeah, far. yeah, would have loved to have seen that movie. That's what I mean. I still like Solo. I still think it's worth watching. But I just, I think yeah, that totally. decision to fire them in favor of Ron Howard is just aging worse and worse <laughs> the further we get from it. I agree. And it's so, <clears throat> you know what really stinks is is that they they stopped they suspended all of these um all these you know um star wars stories the ex the expanded universe um theatrical releases that they were setting up because solo didn't do so well um as well as they wanted it to it made it i mean the movie made more money than you and i will ever see <laughs> but yeah. relatively speaking not so good <clears throat> and so we have we have Solo and Rogue One, and anytime I'm watching one, I compare it to the other, which is bullshit because you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. Yeah, um, because they they can like they exist but between the same two movies, but they're completely different styles, telling really different stories in really different ways. But I can't help it. So so last last year in 2020, I um. I picked the the movie that we watched on May uh, May the fourth, and this year Julia did, and so we watched Rogue One, <clears throat> and um, it's really great. But I keep comparing it to Solo, which is so stupid. I just I just can't because I keep thinking about what went wrong. You know, Rogue One, Rogue One gave you know gave the you know opened the gate to Solo, and Solo, um was set up all these other stories and then that stuff just fell off a cliff. And that was the end of it. Lord Miller were fired. Rod Howard was brought in. He, um, Clint Howard was in that movie <laughs> and then, um, and then everything stopped. So you kind of between the two, you want to know really, you're trying to find, I guess, emotionally, like what, what's wrong? What's What's what changed from one to the other? And why do people like really like one and dislike the other or, really like one and won't even watch the other one or whatever stupid bullshit Star Wars fans are coming up with again for why something sucks. And I really, I really wish I didn't have that mindset, you know? Yeah. And it, it's, but I, I think it's strange too, because both are examples where they fired the people making them during the filming of the movie. Like neither yeah. director of either of those films got, so I just, I think that's what I end up thinking about because I think about it with those movies and then I think about it with Rise of Skywalker is I think the biggest problem is they're terrified to do anything interesting. Yeah. yeah. And they it's like you hired Lord and Miller to make Solo. They like their stuff is they have a very particular brand. Granted, everything else I've seen them do is animation. So I don't know the difference in like live action, but they they have a style they tend to i actually think their biggest strength is like mixing nostalgia with heart with like doing something interesting <laughs> you know like like it it plays into your nostalgia but it doesn't that's not what you enjoy about it like it understands why you like something and then sort of like delivers a new story that taps right. into that you know and i you know like i i just don't know why? Because apparently I, I got really curious about it. I actually went back and was like reading stuff this week about it. And it the stuff that I was reading said that they, they had finished like most of the movie, something to like 80 or 90 percent of the movie. And then Ron Howard actually went back and reshot a lot of scenes that they had already filmed. That's always a great idea. Well, it's just you're th like one that that's one of the reasons that they're going to say that it didn't make money is because I did read it cost like $250 million to make the movie because you shot it twice. But also like you did that and it didn't make you more money. If anything, I would guess that it probably hurt the box office because all of that came out, which 
that's bad press. <laughs> like before the movie comes out to hear they fired the people and it's, you know, uh, no disrespect for Ron Howard, who I have tremendous respect for, obviously, as a filmmaker. Uh, but uh, I don't feel like and then we're bringing in Ron Howard is the thing that's going to sell tickets. Oh, they got Howard. Yeah. They got Ron Howard. Okay. <laughs> they got Ron Howard. Yeah, let's make the sack her in as possible. Yeah, and that and that's really I mean the um A New Hope. A New Hope has a beginning and a middle and the end, right? You know, that's a complete movie. And um you didn't know you make that movie, they they don't <laughs> they had no idea, no idea how well it was gonna do. Nobody anyone aside from Steven Spielberg apparently had no faith in the movie. And, um, the, the, <laughs> the follow-up to that starts with the rebels being absolutely decimated, right? On Hoth. And then not only that, but the team that you built in this first movie, this game change movie, um, th this box office juggernaut, the team you built of, you know, um, Han, Leia, and and Luke, um, and you split them up after the after the and Chewie and R two and C three PO. Yeah, they uh, you split them up after the first act. They leave Hoth and then they're split up. R two isn't even with three PO in that movie. Luke isn't with the rest. That's very weird. So they're split up for the whole movie. Then at the end, your most charismatic character is literally frozen. Frozen. He cannot be his character anymore and the other one loses a fight gets his hand cut off and retreats and they're retreating again why why don't they see that that works like yes that's very that is a very weird follow-up to a formula that worked it is well and it's again not to relitigate this but those were some of the complaints about the last jedi was like well how come finn is being split up from the rest of the group and doing his own thing like why why does he have this storyline that's not, you know, part of their storyline? And it's like that. Yeah, I anytime they do anything interesting, I think that's it. People just there's an inertia to Star Wars. I really think that's the problem is that, like, I think if Empire Strikes Back came out 20 years after A New Hope, that everyone would have hated it. They would have been like, this isn't right, because I think people had too long to decide what they thought Star Wars was in their head. And nobody's watching any of these movies objectively. You know, they're they're only um, watching them and being like, it's like, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's sort of like trying to entertain a, a kid where it's like, tell me a story. Not the same one from last night, but like it. Yeah, <laughs> like I want the same. I wanted to have a princess, and I wanted to have an evil troll. But you can't tell the exact same story as last night. <laughs> like it's just the what they actually want is very thin. You know, because, and I I gave you a lot of shit about Rogue One, which a lot of that was just because it really bothered you. <laughs> to yeah. But I. I like, like, I have some issues with some particular moments in that movie. It's not my favorite, but like, I do respect that it did something interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't have a problem with that movie. It's not personally my favorite Star Wars movie, but I never got mad that it existed. <laughs> like, I'm like, right. I, I think that that's the problem is because I think that's what I go back to. So Lord and Miller, they had shot like 80, 90% of this movie. What would have happened if you let them finish it? Okay, worst case scenario. They finish it. It's bad. It doesn't do well at the box office. You don't make a sequel. That's where we ended up. You spent a yeah. lot of money <laughs> to make a movie that wasn't terribly well received, that people really didn't give a fair chance, and is never going to get any follow-ups to it. So, like, people already didn't... Like, you, you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars to make a movie that you were afraid was going to be bad, still not good. <laughs> I've never, ever been at the Uptown Movie Theater watching a Star Wars movie on opening night with empty seats, and there were empty seats all around me. Yeah. It was it, a it, little embarrassing because I got there, you know, an hour and a half early to stand in line. <laughs> and you get in, there's all these empty seats. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is... 
Well, that one was, was kind of embarrassing. Weird. That was weird too because that they also they made a lot of strange decisions around Solo. One of which was that they released it. What was it like in May or was it in May or it was like it was the end of May. It was Memorial yeah. Day weekend, yeah. right? Instead of the like they had kind of carved out December's as when new yes. Star Wars comes out. Well, then, it looked like the the um, Skywalker saga movies were coming out in December, and then the the Star Wars story movies were coming out in the spring was what they were doing because they wanted to they wanted to make money all year long. <laughs> right. Well, that, but yeah, that, they want to make money, but they don't want to take any chances. And it's like, right. again, you know, I, I think about this a lot, you know, and I realize it's the same company. So it's really awesome to be Disney because yep. your portfolio is diversified. But uh, <laughs> but like when you you know, people don't really give Marvel Honestly, and I mean this sincerely, and this sounds silly because they're a billion dollar company, but like, I don't think they get the respect they deserve for how difficult it is, like what they have done and how long they have done it. It, it, That's hard to do. It's hard for any, think of any studio, any movies, any franchise, none of them have that level of consistent success. They they, can't, how many, like. How often did you have this conversation? Because I, I kept having this conversation after Endgame came out and I couldn't I couldn't have <laughs> I couldn't have it enough. Like I just kept wanting to emphasize to everyone, especially, you know, um, you know, you know, friends like like you and um and Pat and people like who did follow the whole thing and do have more invested in it of this this shouldn't have happened. You know, like whatever happens, whatever happens with Marvel into the future, this happened. Like the Infinity Saga happened. The fuckers pulled it off. You're talking 20 plus movies and it happened. Yeah. And like it, like a, a couple of stumbles along the way that you can't even call missteps. And it happened because they kept giving people the chance to make the goddamn movies. Right. Well, it's like, so they, they release Iron Man and Iron Man is great and it's really well received. What's the next movie after that? Incredible Hulk, which nobody even remembers that they made that movie anymore. Right, right, right. But right, right. They just, hey, remember Ed Norton? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? They make an Ed Norton Incredible Hulk. It's wildly mediocre. They just weather it. They keep going. They make Thor. They make the first Captain America movie. Suddenly they got momentum. They make that Avengers movie, which fucking hit it. Like it nailed it. And then after that, they were off to the races. And it's funny because I even remember like you get to Age of Ultron. I remember watching Age of Ultron and being like, okay, this isn't this isn't as good as the Avengers, but that like we got the Avengers like they did yeah. it. I mean, they they made an Avengers movie. I didn't think that was going to happen. And now we have one. So like Age of Ultron, that's house money. I mean, this this Marvel thing's probably over now, you know, but hey, it's cool. Like we got we got one yeah. good one. This one's fine. You know, this is and then it's like then they just started taking the swings and then you get like Civil War and you get Guardians of the Galaxy and you like they start just get in, man. You get man, I'm Jesus. Uh, but yeah, you know what I mean? They start doing these characters and like now they're such a trusted brand that, you know, I I'm a nerd and I, I read a lot of comics. I gotta be honest, this new phase, I don't know a lot of these I don't know the Eternals. I've never read an Eternals comic. Like, yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah. But like I'm gonna see it because you you trust them and you kinda know also, you know. It's Academy Award winning director Chloe Zhao directing The Eternals, you know, which I could go off on a whole side tangent about how somehow when she makes that movie, it won't, you know, suddenly her all of her talent will be turned off and that'll be a stupid blockbuster. But when she makes Nomadland, she's brilliant. But then same exact person with all the same skills, she's going to fucking phone in The Eternals because that's not real cinema. But that's no, no, that's that's not real cinema. Yeah, she'll just it's cast not, that page. It's sad to see her wasting her talents on things that don't matter. Yeah, it's not like she literally used all of the uh, sort of newfound uh, buzz that she had in Hollywood to court Marvel and to pitch them this movie because she's very passionate about it. They're stupid. That's what Scorsese said. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I just like it's. You know, I think some of it is expectations because we all 
have very strong feelings about Star Wars, and maybe we all don't know why, but like, it's they Marvel Marvel got where they got because they took a lot of really strategic chances. And they they just kept going. And I, I think that's the thing. You see it with DC. You see it with Star Wars. You see it with anyone else who tries to replicate what they did, which no one has even come close so far. But it's like everyone panics along the way. OK, we're going to build our own cinematic universe and we're going to hire Zack Snyder to do it. Three movies in, we hate this idea. We're firing Zack Snyder <laughs> and we're like doing a 180 and we're ch- like nobody just has the confidence to just stick with anything you you said you wanted to do some standalone star wars movies and the skywalker stuff do that okay people didn't love solo you think they're not gonna go see the next star wars movie like do better keep trying like i just i don't know it's like i just think i that's what i see with star wars is they they come at it with such a like from a position of fear and it's the last jedi was a big swing like ryan johnson gave you a completely reimagined idea of what star wars could be it really angered a very small vocal group and you changed everything to make them happy (laughs) can't do it man you can't feed the trolls it seems it seems to me and this is me saying this that they think Star Wars is too precious. Like this is Star Wars. This is there's a way Star Wars should be. And also we have it like we have it in our hands. We can shape Star Wars of all the fucking things. We can shape Star Wars. So we're going to do that. Don't. Don't let the people tell their goddamn stories. There have been so like the the first movie alone that came out in 77. There were so many there were so many hands in that pie, you know, that this, yeah. that was that was never one person's vision. You know, none of the movies were one person's vision. Well, right. And um, that's there are a, lot, a lot of collaborations, you know? Yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, nobody like it's not talked about enough, I don't think, because George Lucas gets labeled as like this auteur who like came up with it all on his own. And it's like he was hanging out with the greatest filmmakers of his era, like just socially. Yeah. He screened Star Wars for who was it? It was Spielberg, Brian De Palma and... Who's the other one? Like there was like Coppola, I think. And Coppola, yeah. So it's yeah. like those guys all watched it for free and like gave him notes. Not to mention the fact that his wife was a film editor who helped edit the ending. Like, and the fact that Spielberg was like, Oh, hey, you need some music? I got this dude I like named John Williams. Like right. there the, right. there yeah, it was never him by himself. The 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 movies that were George Lucas by himself were the prequels. That was George Lucas not getting feedback. Right. Um, or, you know, being able to ignore that feedback. De Palma directed the opening crawl to A New Hope. That was right. De Palma. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah, everything and, was happening. And it's hilarious because the, the story goes that De Palma didn't even like the movie. He didn't like, like you no, said, Spielberg was like the only didn't person. Didn't care for it. Yeah. But he was like, oh, you want to do this thing? I know how to do this thing. And he like did the technology for the opening crawl like because he knew how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they just there's it is a it is a huge collaboration. You don't but you don't stop that machine in the middle of making a goddamn movie. And you certainly don't stop the machine when um you've set up all these other stories. Just keep going. Give it another shot. See who's passionate about it and let them tell let them tell the story and like, you know, I I'm, I'm not an executive. You know, I'm not moving money around. But here's what I do know. You got a lot of the money. And um, you could give it a shot. You know, let Lord Miller finish that movie. See what happens. Are you going to take a loss? If you take a loss, you know, cry me a fucking river. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? You could, you probably won't. And then try again because the movie isn't just the opening weekend. The movie is the, the opening weekends and then subsequent weekends across planet earth where there are movie theaters so you're gonna get your money back just give it a shot well and that's i i mean the biggest thing i think the that marvel really did is 
they've created an aura where you feel like you have to watch all of their movies. We're going to put these teasers in at the end. We're going to, they're all connected. All these characters, all these references, they pay off. And it's like, okay, so you really solo and maybe it doesn't like do the box office numbers that you want, but then you tease Darth Maul at the end of that. Then you make a Darth mm-hmm. Maul movie that yeah. like, you don't have to call it solo too, but you just like, it really is a continuation of that story. But now it's about Darth Maul and it's about um, Daenerys Targaryen. I can't remember her character. name, <laughs> But you know what? I, was it Kira? I think, but like, it's about them and it's a new story. And then if that movie is great, well, then people are like, well, damn, I guess I should go watch this previous movie that with these characters that set up these characters in this arc because now I like this movie. Sure. Yeah, and you got um you got Emphis Nest who showed up at the end of that movie who you have a, a band of people and she explains a little bit of her backstory and they seem really badass. So you could follow them. Um oh you're not gonna do that? Well she got scooped up by Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. So she's making movies for Marvel. Like it it's just yeah, you um I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like the smartest guy in the room by any means. It's just you've seen a formula that works, and that is let let proven filmmakers or even not proven people who are passionate about something make the thing that they're passionate about that you, by the way, have already paid them to do. You stop them in the middle and say, not good enough. What the fuck are you talking about? Well, also, what's weird is like. So you guys are control freaks, but only at the 10 yard line. So you, you don't care about the fact that you're doing this like episode seven, eight and nine without a plan that you made episode seven without having any idea where you were going or who was even going to be directing them. You had three different directors who didn't talk like just doing, you know, uh, and then you fired the third one and you brought back J.J. Abrams. But, like, you never had any communication with anyone. Like, it seemed like Abrams got mad at Ryan Johnson for not treating his stuff the way that he wanted to. And then, you know, like, was swinging the pendulum back the other way to course correct that. Th- oh, you took away his helmet? No, his helmet's back. You know, it's like you're watching two directors fight on screen because you didn't bother to roadmap this at all but then somehow you green light a movie you let a guy do 80 90 percent of it and then you fire him and like bring in someone else like what are you guys doing do you care or do you not care you know exactly exactly do you care or do you not care i just don't um, and it, it's hard which not to by, but by the way look you're the last the last um the rise of skywalker did not work it didn't no. work on any level it tried to work. You probably thought it worked. You're wrong. You were all wrong. It didn't work. Um, when that's you know the why, most, you know why you didn't hear about how bad that movie was from the fans because because you just let John Favreau do what he wanted in yeah. the Mandalorian, and everyone was so thrilled about that that they couldn't give a shit about your stupid fucking shitty movie. Right. Honestly, yeah, I, that's the biggest strategy. Just keep releasing stuff. Don't. It's the Samuel L. Jackson approach to movie making. We never get Say mad yes. at Samuel L. Jackson because he he does six movies a year. Oh, this one yep. wasn't good. Just wait a month. He's yeah. going to be in something else. <laughs> like, like it doesn't. Yeah, no, that is the strategy. OK, you didn't like this Star Wars movie. Well, bam. Now here's a TV show and it's awesome. Now here's a new movie. Like, just yep. keep and that's what, you know, going. And it's, and it's working for Marvel, too, because not all those movies were great. Also, you know, um, loved WandaVision. I'm, I, I was a little, a little, um, iffy on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know, kind of, I'm kind of eh about the whole thing, but still excited about Loki now. I'll keep watching. I'm going to say it stronger because I've said nothing but nice things about them up until this point. I did not care for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. (laughs) It was was whatever. It was nothing. It didn't offend me. I I didn't hate it. I also didn't feel like it was a worthy (laughs) use of my time. I don't know why we did it. I like that Sam's the Captain America. That feels like that could have happened in the first 20 minutes of a more interesting movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. Fair enough. It really, I was a little, yeah. It's just like, it was very meandering. It's just, everything took way longer and was way less fun. Like, even if you just think about the stuff that happens, it sounds like it should have been a more fun show than it was. (laughs) 
You know, they, I think they were rushing through the parts that we would really be interested in and then spending way too long on parts that we didn't give a fuck about. Yes. No, I would agree with that 100%. And also, like, I man, I get what you're trying to do, but, like, way, way too much, you know, getting into the financial situations of Avengers. Really got to talk about where their money comes from and, like, if they can get bank loans. Yeah. Yeah. I think there were better ways to accomplish those goals that you wanted to. Most definitely. But even with those criticisms, you know, loved WandaVision and we're Mm -hmm. all in on watching Loki. Like, we're here. We're in the the audience. We're going to watch what you're putting out. I wasn't super thrilled with with Falcon and the Winter Soldier on episode four. I watched the rest of them. Well, you, you know, know what I, I mean? literally, <laughs> if you remember when we talked about it after the first episode, this was the exact conversation we had. I said that I didn't care much for the first episode. You were like, but you're still going to watch them, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, we're going to watch because like you, you still, it's, they've earned your trust enough that it's like, you know, it's, they're not going to, I mean, honestly, I feel the way about Marvel movies that I feel about Christopher Nolan of like. You know, I didn't love Interstellar. It wasn't my favorite movie ever, but like, I I like Christopher Nolan. I like his movies. I'm going to keep watching them. Like Marvel has become a brand that, yeah, I definitely, there's, Thor the Dark World isn't good. Iron Man 3, I didn't care for, you know, but like, I'm going to keep watching their movies because their hits are more consistent than their misses. And even when they miss, they usually miss because like, they're trying something. Yeah, they're trying something. At, and what they did was <clears throat> they did the same thing that um, the original trilogy did was they made you feel like, you know, these characters and made you like them. And even the ones you don't like, you love the fact that you don't like them. So you get to know all all of these characters and know the universe um, in which they exist and you can do a lot with that because it's now, now you, you know, you have, you have your town and they're full of toys and you can just play with them because everyone knows kind of, um, who we're dealing with and the rules and the way people talk and things like that. And so you can, you can do a lot with that if, if you let people, um, if you have a, a consistent voice throughout. You know, throughout one story, it's one voice telling the story. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I think that's the thing is, even though, like, if you sit there and you try to, sometimes if you try to make all the connections, they feel a little, a little flimsy. Like, I think there's a loose plan for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's not, like, you can sit there and you can go like, wait, what was Thanos' plan? (laughs) Well, like, what is he trying to do? But, like, they at least still feel tied together, but not so rigidly tied together that it doesn't allow them to experiment and try different stuff. And I don't know, they make shit like Ragnarok, which was great. You know, like they, they give room for, for really fun stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like just all of that. So I didn't know we were going to, well, I did know we were going to talk about star Wars that long when I brought it up, but I just like, I don't know, as we reflect on this month of star Wars, like I just (laughs) get, get, get your shit together. (laughs) <laughs> it's not even get your shit together it's like put some some shit together like i i don't know man just it seems like oh someone did something interesting let's glom onto that and ruin it yeah well yeah and you and i have both on this show and and privately kind of expressed concern about how they're going to ruin the mandalorian because they didn't care mm-hmm. about it before but now it's the thing that's working so now it is the basis of like all of no, their straight up yeah. like it's ba- it's the plot of Wayne's world is what it is. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's popular. I'm going to buy it over budget it, take control out of the out of the hands of the people who made it good and then redistribute it and say, why didn't that work? Does that mean is is Grogu Wayne then? Is he going to like make the little cards with, you know, like making fun of their sponsor and then <laughs> storm out? <laughs> this man blows goats. I have proof. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, All right. per- <laughs> T- Tuesday, purchase feeble public access cable show and exploit it. Man, feel sorry for whoever that is. <laughs> 
Look, what we're trying to say, uh, Disney and, and Star Wars and Kathleen Kennedy and all, like th- these new movies, they're like a pair of underwear. You know, at first they're kind of binding, but they're constrictive and constrictive, but eventually they'll become a part of you. It's true. It's yeah. true. <laughs> well, look, so we talked about, you know, this like lowbrow stuff, the these popcorn movies, but you want to get into like a, a weightier uh, some some real criticism. We'll talk about the important stuff. This is oh, you know. sure, sure. So, so Joyce Carol Oates uh-huh. came out on Twitter and she retweeted the Mad Men quotes account and said, "Mad Men had seemed so witty and significant during its time, but almost none of these quotes are particularly striking or memorable. Perhaps we viewers." We're captivated by the excellent actors and stylish direction, question mark. So, so where you land in Lars and this obviously very important Joyce Carol Oates Mad Men beef. <laughs> I never watched that show. Okay. All right. Well, this has been Highbrow Corner. <laughs> 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 we tried. You never watched Mad Men? I never watched Mad Men. It uh, was overrated and pretentious. Okay. But you watched all of it. I watched every single episode. Yeah. No, that's a funny thing. It's really funny because... <laughs> so, funny. so, obviously, and always, I am Team Joyce Carol Oates. Uh-huh. Ride or die for, <laughs> for Joyce Carol Oates. But, uh, but no, I. the funny thing is, I do actually think there's some great quotes from Mad Men. I think... Um, the one with like Ben Feldman, where he's like, you know, when I feel sorry for you, and then Don Draper's like, I don't think about you at all. It's a right. great, that's fantastic, you know. And there's the one with Peggy, where it's like, you know, you never said thank you, and and Don's like, that's what the money was for. Like, there's some, but it's it's really those. Those are the only ones. Those I are just, the ones. Yeah, that's it. I Mad Men was fine. It was written by. Uh, a guy who worked on The Sopranos, and I, I always found it to be a less interesting, <laughs> because it was like The Sopranos, except they took out all the mob stuff, which was really fun. So it was just three seasons too long, pretty meandering, had dream sequences I did not care for, and like, you know, was a character study of an interesting character that just was, <laughs> apparently this is the theme of this week, like, the problems with those shows too are the same thing of like you're doing a character study of a guy but you have no incentive to do anything interesting with him because you want the show to continue so how do you do season seven of difficult grumpy man who refuses to change yeah are you talking about dick whitman i'm talking about dick whitman and i'm talking about tony soprano they both suffer from the same problem like they're they're kind of curmudgeonly assholes. Like that's fun at first to like, be like, all right, let's look at their world. And then it's like, Oh, this is at some point it feels like knowing that person, like, Oh, you're never going to change and you're exhausting. Um, yeah. And also, you know, um, I, I know, I know how to sell Kellogg's. That was one of the quotes, right? I think that was, yeah, that was one. I know that it ended with him almost having some kind of personal growth, and then he just creates that like Coke, like share, give the world a Coke ad, right? He right with the hippies, with the hippies. Yeah. yeah, he's like actually trying to meditate with them or whatever, and then he's like, "Wait a second, money." Yes, I'd like to teach the world to sing. Yeah. Um. Yes. I. What was she trying to say? Just. <laughs> I, I honestly don't get what is Joyce Carol Oates connection to Mad Men and what was she trying to say about these quotes? I this think she woke up randomly one morning, okay. saw that account on her timeline and chose violence. I think she just okay. decided, fuck this show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she had any reason to do it as far as I can tell. Um... All right. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine I with that. Ga- I-, I gave it a shot. I, I saw, uh, I saw. I think, two episodes of that show when we were roommates. I watched two episodes of that. Oh, yeah, because they um, used to send me screeners. Like, yeah, those. Yeah, those, yeah. Back in the day I when AMC would send me the episodes in advance. Yep. 
I thought good costumes and cool cars. Well, that's no, and I honestly, that's what I got from her quote was like, I think Mad Men, and I would agree with this, it was an aesthetic. Like, it was very well cast. I like all the actors. I mean, John Hamm is great. Um, Elizabeth Olsen. No, I said Elizabeth Olsen. That's not it. Elizabeth Moss. Um, <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen is great. But, yes, um, she is. But, like, they cast it really well. The, the actors were all good. I like January Jones quite a bit. Like, she's really good. And Kiernan Shipka. I think was the Mm -hmm. daughter. She Mm -hmm. like, I think all the actors gave really fantastic performances. I think the show looked really cool. Like all the production people did a really good job creating a world of the sixties. I am utterly convinced that it won all of the Emmys that it did solely based on the fact that Emmy voters are old and it reminded them of the sixties. It wasn't nice when men wore hats. Yeah. There was a lot of that, like, but it just like, I don't know. It I think that show was a vibe more than it was a show because that would be my real thing. If it was me and not Joyce Carol Oates who was trying to antagonize Mad Men fans, I think I would point out like what happened in that show. Explain like the overall storyline. It was like Don was married. Then he got a divorce and then he married someone else and then he got a divorce and then he drank a lot. And people were upset with him, but no, he suffered no consequences. <laughs> Pretty sure that was the whole arc. And Korea. And Korea. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, early on, there was this business with the fact that he stole another man's identity. But even the show seemed like it was bored by that idea. Like, it didn't seem to really care. Right. It's a... You know what's funny is you haven't really touched on anything about this show that I don't know about already. Having seen two episodes in the middle of a random fucking I, I think that's what it is. I think you could watch any one episode of Mad Men and get the entire experience of watching Mad Men. I think it just okay. stretched for years and years and very little happened. Like, honestly, I lumped The Sopranos in with it, and that's probably unfair because way more happened on The Sopranos. And The Sopranos, when it was good, I really enjoyed it. I just, those last few seasons, they were really running on fumes, I felt like. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like maybe the the opposite side of that coin is The Sopranos where shit was just happening all the time for no goddamn reason. Yeah, you know what? You're probably right. I think it was the opposite. That had, like, too much plot, but it's yeah. just like... <laughs> too much plot. Hey, guys, I got a note. Uh, less plot. Yeah, just tone it down. More... Well, honestly, because those scenes, like, I... When I think about The Sopranos now, which I don't do often, but, like, what I think I loved about that show is just the scenes where... Tony Soprano and his crew were just having conversations. Mm-hmm. It's just them saying stupid shit to each other. <laughs> they said a lot of stupid shit to each other, for sure. Yeah. I feel like that was that was really the meat of that show. I But that's the, I don't even really know. I guess that the, like, I guess it's Don and Peggy. Because I think the, the thing that Mad Men probably did the best was, was Peggy. Was, like, showing, like, using her as a character that we all really liked and showing how things got incrementally better for women in the industry from when she started to when she ended, how she was like sort of groundbreaking at first. And then, you know, like she, we wanted to see, you wanted to see her succeed. She's the character that grows the most over the show. Like Don Draper is a static character. Peggy is a dynamic one. Yeah. And when someone, when you ask someone, um, name a character in Mad Men, they say Don Draper. Right. Because he was the, but that's the thing. It's his show. Like the, right. you can say everything you want to about her, but like, you know, as, as prominent as she was, and I definitely think she's number two on the call sheet in my mind, but like, it's Don Draper's show in the same way that right. The Sopranos is Tony Soprano's show. Like that's they, Tony Soprano's show. they are character studies of one specific man in both cases. And everyone else just kind of fills out the world because there's never there's never an episode of either of those shows that I remember where the A story wasn't about that guy. Um, Pine Barrens. Oh, except Pine Barrens. The best yeah. one. The best one. The Steve Buscemi directed episode <laughs> and most watched highest rated episode of The Sopranos. That episode is wild. Ends on a cliffhanger that they never bother to follow up on. <laughs> never bothered to resolve. 
Yeah. There's a crazy Eastern European man wandering through the frozen pine barrens of southern New Jersey and no one cares. It is wild that they didn't. You would have thought like, I feel like now they could never get away with that now. Right. Like now, because they were such a like trailblazer for cable dramas. Like now audiences would demand that they show that frozen corpse like a season later or something. Or something. Or you know what? I don't know. Journey's playing, they're sitting in the diner, and then that crazy Russian dude bursts in and just starts stabbing him. That's what happened, right? That was the fade to black, was that guy finally showed back up. <laughs> um, I'll I tell you, you know, um, speaking of The Sopranos, there's an episode of that show that I always thought would be a really great movie, and I'm I'm kind of pissed off they wep- they well, I said weapons. Yeah. Wepis is not a word, sir. Wepis. <laughs> they um they wasted mm-hmm. a um this story on what was kind of a throwaway episode of that show, and that was when um Tony was taking his daughter Meadow to look at colleges. Oh, that's the best episode of that whole show. Yeah, that's like okay. So you're yeah. with me on that, okay? Yeah, that was interesting because you got you have a daughter who kind of has an inkling, a pretty strong inkling that her dad is in the mafia and they have a strained relationship. They're going up to look at colleges for her in New England alone, just the two of them. And on the trip, he thinks he spots someone that he used to know in, um, in the life who went into witness protection. And now, and now he's trying to like kind of have a relationship with his daughter. The daughter's trying to find out about it, her dad. And also he's in communication with the people back down in Jersey to figure out if this is a guy that he should murder for being a witness for the feds. Yep. That is an interesting story. That's a great. No, that episode is one of the best episodes. And that was uh, I think that's like that's a pretty early season one episode from or maybe it's in the middle, but that's a season one episode. No, season one of the Sopranos. That was is, season one. I don't think that was season one. Meadow would have been too young in season one. Yeah. No, she was looking at colleges. She was no like shit. That was yeah. a, that was the first season? That was the first season. Yeah. Because oh, she man. was like I don't think she went to college for like another couple of seasons, but I think she was maybe like a sophomore or a junior and she was looking at colleges. She I'll was, be damned. Okay. But no, because season one of the Sopranos is great. Yes. It's, when it's people perfect. Talk yeah. about shitting their pants. Watching, uh, but they talk about like The Sopranos is such a great show. They're talking about season one of The Sopranos, right? And that was the one of the biggest mistakes that that show really made was that they had this amazing arc with him and Nancy Marchand, who played his mom, uh, who's also mm-hmm. Fraser Crane's mom. <laughs> it's just a weird true fact. <laughs> is that is that for real? What was she Fraser in Cheers? Crane's mom, she played in Cheers. She plays. Oh, no shit. I didn't yeah. know that. That's yeah, great. she plays. It's really weird because it does not match the TV show Frasier. Um, like the mom that they. Because they, they no, use a completely no, different actress who, and who plays it. In, no, because she plays the mom in uh, Cheers and it's when he's with Diane. And she basically, whenever he leaves the room, she's like terrifying to Diane behind his back. Okay. Gotcha. It's a good episode. But then. Yeah. And then like in, <laughs> in Frasier, they're just like, she's dead now. And like, <laughs> and like, then they just, whenever they talk about her, it's like this completely, they, they show like old home movies and stuff. And that woman looks nothing like her. Of course. But, uh, but no, anyways, she, she played Tony's mom. Um, and it's great. It's this whole thing with like, that's really what season one is about is his mom yes. w- like was married to a guy in the life. She should know better, but it's this question of like, is she like starting to to lose it a little bit or is she just fucking with her son? Right. And, and, and like, that is the conflict at the heart of season one is like, she feels like he's ignoring her. And so she's like putting him in legal jeopardy. And then it builds to this amazing, uh, crescendo at the end where like she puts out a like she basically either puts out or approves of a hit on his life because of him going to therapy like they view it as he's a liability he might say something like if he's going to therapy he's weak therefore he should be killed is the lie and i think she yeah i think she even manipulates um, junior 
his uncle junior into thinking that Tony's trying to kill him. Yeah. And so when she approves the hit, it's like, well, he's, he's talking through a therapist and also he's coming after you. That was, yeah. What a great season of television uh, that was. But that's what I'm saying. It's this great season of television ends with one of my favorite moments in all of television where he finally, Tony knows he finds out that his mom is responsible. He's going to confront her. Right. And when he does, She's being wheeled out on a stretcher because uh-huh. she had a stroke and he looks at her and she's uh-huh. smiling she's and smiling. and he's like, he starts shouting that like at the EMTs, like she's smiling, like she knows what she's uh-huh. doing. And they're like, get away, sir. And they wheel her off. And that's the end of season one. That's great. And then they had no idea what to do next. <laughs> <laughs> like they had put zero thought into it the other problem was that tony has a lot of people killed in order for him to stay alive so like i think like half or more of the cast is killed at the end of season one so then you get to season two and one they don't they just like back off the conflict between him and his mom he just has it where he's like i'm not speaking to her anymore and then also they have to introduce all these new people because there aren't enough characters to populate the world anymore Yes. Yeah. And they really leaned into um, we're going to show like, look, look at these rascals, these these rascal organized crime guys. And they just like party and get laid and like cheat on their spouses and stuff. And look, look at them. Look how much fun they're having when they also like. Also, what if we spend a lot of time on Christopher Maldasante writing a screenplay? (laughs) That's what we're all really here for. (laughs) Remember when he was harassing Ben Kingsley? That should be an episode. Also, what if what if he and Tim Daly really get into a conflict boy, about oh. writing? Boy, oh boy. There are some <laughs> gems throughout the rest of that show. No, there are. I mean, we've, there talked, are. we've talked about a couple of them. Also, there was a there was a thread where um, there was a, you know, um, his daughter was in school and there was a really bad, um, I think, soccer coach. And he was conflicted. Like he could kill anyone at any time. He can call yeah. out a hit on anyone and really coming in, like coming to terms with, well, I shouldn't like, I don't want to just be murdering people around my daughter, even though they should definitely be murdered and things like that. So they were, they were interesting, interesting things were explored within those characters. But I, for how many hours you have to, <laughs> of bullshit you have to wade through to get to them. I don't know, man. Well, that's the thing. I think season one, in my and I haven't gone back and watched it in a while, but like season one holds up well, and then I think the other seasons, I think they kind of ebb and flow. I think some some seasons are better than others. What from what I remember, I, I feel like season three was good um, because I think like it took season two to kind of reset a lot of it, and then a lot of that paid off in season three where you had more character and like somewhere along there, Joey Pants showed up and you know he was great and you had like, yep. Richie April and yep. like they had all that stuff where they kind of were adding more and more people, but like it's it's way more hit or miss and like. The the longer it went, I felt like there were more misses than hits. And then there's that last episode, which nobody ever needs to really talk about ever again, but was just a choice for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I mean, that's what you remember more than anything else, right? Are these um, these characters that came in and that was that was the arc. You know, it was Richie April. um uh, it was Joey Pants. It was Steve Buscemi. These characters come in and they shake things up. And then, you know, I mean, I don't know, guys. Spoiler, I guess. But like, they all fucking die. Well, right. I mean, that was kind <laughs> of one the way f- or another. <laughs> well, that was sort of the formula that they stumbled across was like, we're going to have these guys that are that will be like season long threats to Tony. Right. And then they're going to I mean, don't they see how lame that is, is that when the only way you're sh- to make your show work is to introduce someone who isn't a cast member of your show. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. You should be able to to write within the characters that you've already written, but we need someone come in and shake it up. But why? How was their life so goddamn stable that you need Joey Pants to come in with his creepy ass and just be killing people at random? Well, I, I think that was the thing too, right? Wasn't that kind of what they, they wanted to have it both ways that like – 
they were the New Jersey branch of the mob. And there was this idea that if they things got too out of control, New York would come and wreck shit. And you had, uh, was it Johnny Sack, right? And you like always kind of had this looming threat of of New York being mad at them. But then it never happened. <laughs> no, it never it never happened. I think I think the close it came was like um Johnny Sack would come in. I don't know, we're getting in the weeds here. I don't know. I feel I need to say, since we're getting towards the end of the show here, that we're being we're being very critical of people whose job we kind of tangentially know, but we don't know all that well. So I don't want to be a dick and say you know, like I could do your job better than you. I am definitely not saying that. I'm just saying you you do something right for so long. And then why did it not keep going right? Yeah. You know, like it's there. It was all there, all the pieces. And then it all goes to hell. And what happened? Look, what we're saying is we have no authority to say this. You shouldn't listen to us, but listen to Joyce Carol Oates. Listen to listen to that 83 year old woman. <laughs> she has earned it. <laughs> and she thinks Mad Men wasn't that good. So reflect on that. Also, I, I guess since we're out of time, uh, we didn't do a show last week. Um, the Oscars happened. Oh, yeah. Every, everybody um, really, really. Uh, you want to talk about things missing the mark at the end. How about those Oscars? How about those Oscars? I'll tell you what, though. We got a lot of stuff right. Like, our scorecard is looking pretty fucking good. Yeah, I started texting you that first half of that show where I was like... And it was really funny because you you had the wisdom from me when I was texting you where I was like, wait, we're nailing this. Like, we're getting everything right. And I think you just wrote back to you like, just wait. (laughs) And (laughs) sure enough... Sure enough, all of the early stuff, which I, yeah, I thought the the early, and by the way, and I'll just say, if anyone cares about our thoughts on the Oscars, I liked the ceremony a lot this year, like the way they did it, like the more intimate sort of, also, what I mostly liked is how much Regina King was there and talked and did yes. stuff. And, yeah, that is great. Uh, starting the show with her was great, and also... I didn't realize, like, I always kind of, some part of me dreams of winning an Academy Award, but now I think that dream is to at least be nominated for an Academy Award and then have Regina King say nice things about me <laughs> that she learned, like personal facts about me to television. I want I want that now, if that's an option. That would be nice. I'll just yeah. take a laying on of hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh but uh but no the the first half and they did a lot right. Like I I actually don't have a huge problem overall. And I I'm again it, like when if you go back and listen to that show that we did, I really liked The Father. I thought Anthony Hopkins was great, but wow, what a what a terrible miscalculation to design your show thinking that you're going to end with Chadwick Boseman and then not have it happen. <laughs> Just, boy, oh boy. Just one of the all-time whiffs. Like, it was sort of the anti-Moonlight La La Land moment. Uh, yeah, a bit, a bit. And you almost got that, you almost got that feeling um, from Anthony Hopkins of, oh boy, you guys, I, I mean, great, but come on. <laughs> I did feel like that's the thing. And that's why I wanted to lead with that is I felt really bad for him because he was great. He he gave a performance that deserves an Academy Award. I think right. so did Chadwick Boseman. Right. <laughs> and I, I think we all collectively wanted Chadwick Boseman. Like, that's the thing. I, I think it's it's not that Anthony Hopkins didn't deserve to win, but it's why wouldn't you pick i mean why wouldn't you because as we always say they don't matter all that fucking much right and the thing is anthony hopkins has one and he has an opportunity to get another one right chadwick boseman does not have one and he will not get another opportunity to get one yeah it's just a very bad way to end (laughs) the oscars i mean all all things being equal why not why not well right yeah and again, and it's also you instead you ended it with, yeah, a guy who didn't show up because he couldn't because of COVID, who already has an Academy Award, who, well, I'm sure was honored. Basically, what him winning an Academy Award meant was that someone had to wake him up the next morning and make him record a video because the Internet was mad at him for doing yeah. nothing wrong. 
Like for doing yeah, for doing his job very well and yeah. and people recognizing it. Yeah. So yeah. So that was if you were wondering, those are all of my thoughts on the Academy Awards. Um but no, it was yeah, the you know, I'm really happy for a lot of the the early awards. Um they they're you know, they're the Academy Awards are gonna Academy Awards. They yep, can't help. They're themselves. gonna and that's why I kept saying, Hey you guys, hey you guys, she's gonna three peat. She's going to You did, beat. man. You called that. And I wanted to believe that they would do something more interesting than that. Mm-hmm. And they did they did not. Nope. They they did not feel that way. That's that's the thing. I like like they get pretty like oh man. The beginning of the show, things can be interesting and you're wondering which way they're gonna go. And um even even up until um you know, even up until original screenplay and adapted screenplay you're like i yeah i don't know i saw these movies and i like that you don't you don't know what happens but when you get up to the up, upper echelon you know you know yeah. they just they just fall into place there's those those little footprints on the floor and they dance their little dance yeah i think i just talked myself into believing that there was room for them to do because every once in a while they do surprise you and you know what? They did it last year, so they're not going to do it this year. Right. I mean, they, Parasite does. should not have won all those awards. I'm not, when I say yeah. should not, I mean that wouldn't have normally happened. That was a masterpiece of a movie, in my yeah. opinion. No, but, but they do like, have that tendency. No, they have that tendency to do the right thing and then immediately f- think that that gives them validation to do the dumb thing the following year. <laughs> exactly. No, we listen, you guys, we were so good last year. Yeah. We were so good. Let's, let's indulge this year. Yeah. You know this what is our, let's be this, bad. <laughs> this is our cheat year. <laughs> so cheat. We're good. Mm, let's just do what we want. You know, let's do what we do. You know, you know what? You guys know what we do. You guys want to be naughty? Let's vote for green. Let's vote for Green Book. Let's do it. <laughs> oh man. Alright. Well, there you go. So remember, question everything. The- Shut up and get a lawyer. <laughs>
Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. This is Joe. And this is Chris from the Curioso Podcast. You are currently listening to The Hobo Radio. Joe, do hobos listen to Hobo Radio? I think so. They have one in their stick and bindle, right? Uh, That's called a bindle stiff, sir. Bindle stiff. And you know what? If you listen to The Curioso, you will get to know things like that. Because we talk about the weird, the strange, the bizarre, and sometimes the mundane that you just don't know. So enjoy your two hobos, but you can catch us at thecurioso.com on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. Nicholas Cage wants you to.